Welcome to the Joan Podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Vittengel. The purpose of Joan is to draw light towards mental health, to bring awareness and real stories to the trauma that most everyone endures at some point in life, from depression to postpartum depression to anxiety and eating disorders, PTSD, domestic abuse, sexual abuse, addiction, the list goes on and on. Joan is meant to be a place of honesty and connection. Through the darkest days of my struggles, I'd never felt so alone, and I was convinced there was no way out. If you're feeling this way, I hope this podcast helps you to truly understand that you're not alone and that there is so much light at the end of the tunnel. The truth is, there is no right way to heal. But this podcast was created to inspire you to take your own steps towards healing and stepping into your most authentic self. Today I'm speaking with Jenna Sophia. Jenna is a Psych K practitioner, a Reiki master, and a flower essence maker. She can recall anxiety from age four, but suffered from a variety of debilitating symptoms that led her to a PCOS and endometriosis diagnosis when she was 15. She'll walk us through her experience, through her healing process, and how she is now completely symptom and medication free. Much of this due to Psych K, which we will talk all about and get you the info if you're interested. I had a Psych K session with Jenna last week, and I am now signing up for the London workshop so that I can learn to use it on myself. It's that transformative. It's true. It's truly incredible. So I hope you love this episode. Jenna is so full of knowledge and is such an inspiration and expander for anyone looking to heal. I am here with Jenna Sophia, and Hello. I'm <laughs> to let her introduce herself. Hello. <laughs> it's been an interesting day for yes. us, hasn't it? <laughs> yes, yes. It um, So my name is Jenna, and I am a Reiki master and Psych K facilitator. I didn't know you were a Reiki master. Yeah. Oh my god. I've been doing Reiki since I was 12. Holy cow. Okay, I know. Really interesting. <laughs> I know all these things. We yeah. were like, should we talk about it before? Or <laughs> no, let it just unfold naturally here. A lot of surprises. Um, how old are you? 25. Okay. Yeah. Great. Yeah. And you are from where? I'm from New York. The city? Yeah. Cool. And I went to school in the city my whole life. You did? And then I even went to college, like even on the Upper West Side. So I've kind of just been. Oh, wow. In the city. Yeah. And then um, I decided to transfer universities, and then I moved here. Okay. Um, and I finished school here, and then I've just been kind of back and forth between here and New York ever since. Amazing. Yeah. Here being London. Yeah, London. <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry. We are in London. <laughs> I've been in California. Reporting. I know, so have I. I'm in London. I feel like we've, all, we've been hitting the same spots, yeah. but just at different times. Yeah. <laughs> um, so just, okay, to give like a really brief overview before we get really into everything, like, can you give me a really quick, and I, and something I address in previous episodes is that I don't really like labels because, it, you know, I think that they can trap us in a box. Sure. But what is it that you've like struggled with and, you know, your whole thing? Okay. So, um, I had a lot of, um, health conditions. Should I go into them now or... Um, yeah, sure. Yeah. Why not? Okay. Well, Cause I usually start out asking about your childhood. So why don't sure. you? Sure. So we'll, we'll it start started there. when I was a child anyway. Okay. So, um, I used to have really bad anxiety and 
IBS and all of these stomach issues. And I feel like the gut was always connected to the mind um, for me growing up as a kid. So if I was feeling anxious, my stomach would act up. Um, So it was pretty debilitating because I remember always hiding from my teachers and the class until it was 2 o'clock and pickup was 2.30. So I was just trying to avoid people and and large, I guess, gatherings because it was just too much energetically for me um, to deal with and I didn't know how to cope with it. And my parents didn't really know what it was and mental health wasn't a thing. Um, it was mm. kind of stigmatized still back then in the 90s for, for at least my uh, family. And I didn't really get the support that I needed because I didn't know what I needed. So it wasn't anyone's fault. It was just, this is how it was, and we thought it was normal. And mm-hmm. I guess that's also being the first child as well. Yeah. Um, but then as I grew up, my anxiety it just continued to exacerbate, and then I ended up developing uh, PCOS, uh, endometriosis, um. And then my anxiety and depression just continued to spiral because I was on so much medication and the doctors just continued to, you know, pump me with drugs because that was the only option that they knew. And there wasn't any room for discovery or um, kind of searching. Is there something else we can do? So that's where the Reiki came in. Like when I was 12, you know, my mom was kind of like, let's look somewhere differently because at that point it was just my anxiety and you know my occasional like stomach issues um i always had a fear of eating because i didn't want to get sick so that was like constantly ruling my life um and i I was very specific in what i was going to eat so it wasn't like you know i didn't want to eat anything it was like i needed to only eat at home if it was cooked by someone i knew and that type of control over myself, or unless I knew the restaurant was like really reputable. And this is like a 11, 12 year yeah, old girl. Say, how yeah. Old were you when that was so That's young. Intense. Yeah, because my anxiety it just kept increasing, 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 and it just kind of overtook me. And I was, I didn't know where to go with, you know, what I was doing at any point in time because I was just completely underneath this. I call it a veil because it was really like a dimension of like confusion and everything was just scary and really uncontrollable Mm -hmm. and uh yeah so that that happened and I developed these conditions and it was um an interesting point in my life between 15 and about 22. So is that when you were diagnosed is when you were 15? Yeah. So, um, it started like, I remember I had my third period and they had put me on birth control. So I never really went through a natural puberty until I went like clean off of all of like birth control and like antidepressants and anti-anxiety medication, ADD medication, like everything. It was just like, I was a cesspool of pharmaceuticals. That's what it was. And I honestly, I look back at the person that I was mentally and I can't even grasp that that was my life. Because deep down, I always knew, I was like, this is not me. (laughs) You know, this is not me. This is not who I really am. This person that's really sad and upset and aggressive and angry and just confused and frustrated constantly. Um, Because I had the biggest heart underneath it and I didn't understand why I was feeling these things. Um, and being overtaken, it felt. It was by an energy and energies that I couldn't come out of mm-hmm. um, and control my emotions. So 
Um, yeah, so I was, I think, 22, and I found Psyche um, mm-hmm. through my mom, who was watching an uh, interview with oh, Rob yeah. Williams, who's the founder of Psyche. And this was about six months after I'd gone cold turkey off of all my medications. I was oh. just at a point, my doctors were like, we're going to have to take your uterus out if you want to go off your medication. And I was just like, that's a really far out thing to, first of all, say. And why, you know, I don't know. I just, I have my own reservations about doctors now because of my own experience, you know. Doctors are amazing, but then there are some doctors who just don't look at the bigger picture. And that's unfortunate because there are a lot of women who are getting pumped with medications without knowing the repercussions of these you know um chemicals and that's what really upsets me more it's this imbalance of like how are we looking at the female body how are we looking at the reproductive system how are we looking at the trauma that's maybe stored that's creating these um inflammations and disease in the body well that's why it's called the i mean that's called the practice practice totally that's what (laughs) yep i always say we're like like a guinea pig we are guinea pigs and you know, it's up to you to really decide, am I going to be a part of this experiment or am I going to decide that I can gain some control in some way and see where that goes? So I chose that because I had been playing the victim for way too long. It had, uh, you know, oh, the doctors did this or this happened to me here or I have my period, I can't go mm-hmm. anywhere, you know, and just victimizing yeah. myself. And I was just tired of it. I was like, honestly, I'm done. It had its time and, and place where I was like, okay, you know, it's nice being the victim. It's nice being mm-hmm. taken care of. It's nice not having to do anything. Well, we're and- also not taught to take control. We're taught oh, that we yeah. go to the doctor and we get the answer. Mm-hmm. And that we have no power or knowing or trust right. with our body. Right. And that is so crucial because our bodies speak to us constantly all the time, right? Like, you know when you get hungry. Your body's communicating with mm-hmm. you. You know when you're tired. Your body's communicating with you constantly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it goes even deeper than that, but we don't allow ourselves to really penetrate that mm-hmm. because we are so quick to give up our power. Mm-hmm immediately i don't feel well let's go to the doctor yeah really well let's see what was stressing you out before you got sick because 97 percent of like doctor's visits are stress induced yeah right and then the doctors don't know what's wrong it's like oh you're probably stressed you know yeah yeah Yeah. so um yeah so it back to what i was saying before it was about six months um and i was kind of struggling you know getting back on my feet trying to figure out what what I should do. I went to Asia for a while and I was kind of detoxing my body and figuring out, um, you know, alternative ways of really healing myself and transforming my conditions. Um, so after my mom found Site K, we went um, to London and did the basic course. Mm. And I was still really skeptical because at this point I was just so over people telling me that I was going to get better at some point. Mm. When the doctors who have all these medical degrees and certifications are telling me no. So uh, there was this obvious conflicting belief between what could happen and what couldn't, right? Mm-hmm. But I knew that... At, Everything was happening in stages. Like, I'm very, um, I, I'm a firm believer in that. Like, nothing lasts forever, right? Mm-hmm. Like, things are very cyclical. And I knew that my sickness was going to be my message at some point. Like, I mm-hmm. had that knowing. And it was just up to me to figure out how to get out of it to be able to share that message. Mm-hmm. And 
I didn't realize it was going to come through this form of Site K, but I finished the basic workshop, still was a bit confused, and there was an advanced workshop happening literally the next day, um, which is very uncommon. Um, Ian Spicer, the instructor who did it, is probably one of the only instructors who do back-to-back Site K workshops, and it was so transformational to have it done that way. Um, I had my period, um, and so that's why I was very, very, very skeptical to sign up because I was like, I'm not going to be able to show up. Why would I sign up for something when I know that I've never in the last, like, for God knows how long I can remember since I've gotten my period, have I ever been able to function on my period? Like, I'm always out for a few days. Everyone knows that. My school knew that. My friends Mm -hmm. knew that. My boyfriend at the time knew that. Like, it was just all, like, everyone knew Mm -hmm. that... I cannot function Mm -hmm. (laughs) so but you know still for whatever reason I was like you know my mom and my sister they're like you should really do it and I signed up and I was like okay well I know I'm not gonna be able to come and that's what happened so on the second day I wasn't able to show up I was throwing up like not gonna get on the tube and go to a workshop for you know eight hours and I remember during one of the breaks my sister called me um, and the instructor was on the phone and he said, can I please take you through a balance, which is what we call a psyche process. It's called a balance. And I said, sure, but I don't think anything's going to happen. And I was definitely much ruder than I'm sounding right now because I was just not at, uh, not in the headspace, first of all, to um, receive help, but also know that I could be helped because I felt like I was a lost cause. So... I remember he took me through a process and within five minutes I started to feel like this emptiness and this hole in my stomach and it was a really odd sensation and nothing I had I wasn't doing anything I was just sitting in this position and all of a sudden this like whirling was starting to go around and you know I I felt like it was done so I told him and then I I could not feel the pain as bad as it was it was like 60% decreased from what it had been And that was super powerful for me because I remember I fell asleep again, like for eight hours after I'd already having such like a 12 hour night's rest. Like this was, I really felt like an energetic reboot rest. Like it had nothing to do with exhaustion from or fatigue from my period. This was, it felt like a very, like a powerful reset because I woke up and I was functioning 50% better than I had ever functioned in my life on my Mm -hmm. period. Mm -hmm. And I was in that class the next day. And so I dedicated then myself to, I really believed in this. And I was like, this is, I've tried everything, really everything from herbs to like, you know, Mm -hmm. different ways to look at my mind and, you know, therapists and doctors and healers and everything that you can imagine. You know, when you want to heal and change so badly, when you want to transform, you'll do anything. Mm And truly, this was like my last, this was my missing piece. They call it the missing piece. Because oh. <laughs> it is, it's like a piece of yeah. you and peace within you. Yeah. Um, so that was super powerful. So then I started taking the other workshops. I traveled like all over the world for them because oh there are only God. 38 instructors in the entire world. And yeah. you're one of them. No, I'm not an instructor. I'm a oh. facilitator. <laughs> no, no, no. No, no, no. I'm in my training, hopefully, oh to become an instructor. God. But it's a very rigorous process. And um, it's also a 
it's like a really humbling and it's an honor to be an instructor even to be a facilitator i'm you know for people to just come and trust me with all of the stuff that is really deep within them and mm-hmm. that they recognize that they want to change that is it, it's beyond humbling and mm-hmm. i'm so like grateful for people who trust me to do yeah. that well, it's really powerful we had a session earlier this week and yeah i mean i can vouch to say <laughs> how powerful it is and we'll so we'll get into like exactly what psyche is and what it does in a bit but I want to go back to as I was saying to you before I kind of want to get into like the nitty-gritty of like what was going on with you what was going on with your body what was going on with your mind sure for you know for all that time yeah yeah um and to explain I mean I only found out I only found out about PCOS like last year I think yeah I didn't even know what it was yeah so if you can walk us through like what exactly you were suffering from sure and, and how that how those symptoms were manifesting for you sure so basically to keep it simple what I was experiencing was a lot of reproductive issues so a lot of my symptoms were nausea chronic nausea I would throw up at least a few times a month like that was a regular mm-hmm. thing um, I would have like chronic um, bloating and fatigue and just a lot of irritability. Like my moods could go from zero to 100 in one second. And it could be because, you know, I heard something and it mm-hmm. ticked me off. I was at that level of discomfort mm-hmm. and just in my body. And I remember like kicking and screaming in my bed and just being like, I want to get out of my body. Wow. Like my, because my mind, I didn't have control over my mind. And then my body was just, I didn't have control over my body. And so it was like, people were seeing me at different points in time. And it's like, okay, in any given month, a week and a half, two weeks out of that month, I was okay. But then for the other two weeks, I had like fallen off the face of the earth and no one knew Mm -hmm. what was happening. Mm -hmm. And this is all from PCOS and endometriosis. Endometriosis, my anxiety, my depression. And these were all kind of linked. Yeah. And my, and so basically my periods were very irregular. I would get really long, long periods and I would have a lot of bleeding. Like I'd have to go to the hospital because I was bleeding so much. And it was just a lot of um, intensity on my body and on my organs and the um the fibroids that i had on my like in my ovaries they were pushing and making creating even more discomfort basically in my mm-hmm. in my body and it was just a lot of inflammation and that inflammation was emotional inflammation though mm-hmm. because it was all linked to the traumas first of all that were ancestral mm-hmm. okay my like family is you know has an indian background and like four generations in East Africa, they're refugees, you know, from India and then from Africa to the West. So there's just been a lot of trauma from migration and then a lot of trauma just um, in the roles of genders, um, what a woman should be like Mm -hmm. in that field Mm -hmm. um, and from that background and what that means. Um, And then just, you know, uh, family trauma Mm -hmm. that has happened Um, So, yeah, so there was that, and then there was things that I was experiencing, even from the womb. So, actually, the subconscious mind starts to um, store information and trauma in the third trimester. So, when my mom was having a lot of difficulty in her pregnancy, I was actually absorbing a lot of that Mm -hmm. um, and feeling the emotions uh, in response to how she was feeling. Mm -hmm. And so, then after the womb, then you get the trauma from 
zero to seven because that's when your subconscious is the most like ripe Mm -hmm. and it's absorbing everything like a sponge Mm -hmm. so you don't know what's right or wrong so you're living and things are happening and all of a sudden that just becomes your mode of reality when you're seven years old Mm -hmm. and you're operating by these systems and you know dependent on how you're filtering those perceptions um that ultimately will determine you know how life treats you and how you experience things and how you internalize things so through those experiences that was also another added layer layer, to all this you know um illness that Mm -hmm. i was storing in my womb Mm -hmm. and and not also feeling comfortable as a woman being in a society where i was constantly being put down because I was a woman and because I was a woman of color it was just one after the other and I didn't uh I didn't realize how deep it went because I'd always just been told that I had to be okay with it but in reality I know I'm like a super um opinionated and like powerful Mm -hmm. woman Mm -hmm. and that was not always received well um, when I was in school or mm-hmm. or doing different things. Mm-hmm. So that all culminated into this expression of this illness. Mm-hmm. So something I want to ask you about, because um, I'm not sure, I've been, you know, over the last couple of years since I've been kind of exploring my own healing. Yeah. Something I'm really interested in and learning more about, and I'm wondering if you can touch on this, is the ancestral trauma sure and like what you know about that and what you know like how that how that can affect us because i think that maybe there are some other people out there when i first heard that you know it's like yeah it's like like, is that real is that real yeah possible yeah 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 well i mean for in my own definition the way i understand it to be it's that when you think about um like lineage right and you think about how things are passed down why would it just be physical things that are passed down? Why would an emotional stored, um, trapped emotions be passed down as well? Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like we just don't give it enough attention that people don't understand it because mm-hmm. it's not looked at in the same light as, say, like a physical illness, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. what? A, but I mean, I feel like people are starting to understand it a little bit more because even it's this idea like, oh, depression runs in my family. Yes. I was just going to bring this up. This right? blows my mind because they're like, it's genetic. My dad's a doctor and I'm like, have they found a gene? Yeah. No. no. <laughs> they haven't. <laughs> and the thing is, well, this is a good, like, you know, segue into this yeah. because... Psyche is based on this the science of epigenetics that it's not your genes from you know your mom or your grandfather or whatever that are causing um, your disposition and your mm-hmm. way of looking at life. It's this idea that the environment is actually dictating how you respond and mm-hmm. what you're responding with. Um, which kind of is like the opposite of what I'm saying with ancestral trauma. But with ancestral trauma, it's things are stored energetically, right? And they're passed down in these energetic fields through these ties, through these cords, because we're connected to our ancestors, right? We have part of our ancestors in us by by a byproduct of how we exist, right? Mm-hmm. Through our mother. Mm-hmm. Our mother was from our grandmother and our grandmother from our great-grandmother, mm-hmm. right? That all mm-hmm. is connected in that lineage of energy so when we release those um ties when we release those cords we change you know the timelines of how we are affected 
um, in this lifetime mm-hmm. um, instead of taking on all of this other energetic baggage that isn't ours mm-hmm. um, because that those you know kind of hidden silent um, discomforts can most of the time turn out to be ancestral mm-hmm. uh, because we don't even realize that they exist mm-hmm. um, so yeah yeah um, okay so I want to go or I guess stay <laughs> in like so hmm I want to stay in your symptoms and I guess like what you were going through like did you have surgeries you mentioned that your doctor mentioned like was talking yeah so my doctor so yeah so he, he wanted he was saying basically that because my bleeding was so severe that the birth control was basically regulating my bleeding and if like as you know birth control they shorten your periods women take it to you know shorten their periods Mm -hmm. i was on specifically morena Mm -hmm. which is an ied Mm -hmm. and that like took my mental health to another level like i didn't even know i could reach those those heights of like craziness and out of body just not feeling like myself and just wanting to like die like truly wanting to die and not exist in the in this body such a rejection for myself um because i was mentally unstable from all this medication at such a young age for so long Mm -hmm. and i think that overexposure to medication people don't or aren't really given the proper understanding of what the effects are of that medication and luckily i was like i've been doing so much internal work and physical work um in terms of like changing my diet and exercise and doing these things to support my journey of you know getting back on on my feet to who i should be not who i was told i was going to be this sick person my whole life Mm -hmm. so so yeah um (laughs) i just kind of like had a blank there just like no i had an image of like myself like back when i was sick and i'm looking at myself now like i'm sitting here with you coming here to like work with clients and do what helped me so much and it just kind of blows me out a little bit yeah Yeah. i know it's really weird when you when you do sit down to like go and talk about it and like get yourself in the headspace again where you're like whoa like talking about it i'm i almost like i'm like lying i'm like this never happened because it just feels so far away that yeah it just, I just remember, like, even when I tried, like, oh, my God, bless my friend. Like, her name's Amina. She was awesome. I remember going on a Euro trip with her, and I had my period before, and my mom and my sister were there, and I was just crying hysterically. Like, I can't go anywhere. Like, I feel so bad. And she was just there, like, it's okay. Like, we'll be fine. And I remember being in Paris and just, like, sleeping for eight hours and just not going out and, like, then being, you know, in Amsterdam, just sleeping, not going out. And she was just so supportive. And just those moments of, like, wow. I was trying to function and I really wasn't functioning. No. Because we also trick ourselves into thinking we're good and we're okay. Mm -hmm. And we don't really take that time because we think that, you know, society is like you're being unproductive or Mm -hmm. you're not worthy Mm -hmm. or it's really not that bad or, Mm -hmm. you know, keep the perspective. There are people that have it worse than you. People in Africa, like, it's like, okay. (laughs) Like, we don't have to take it to that extreme, okay? Like, that that shouldn't discount our own discomforts. But in its own realm of, like, 
you know, reason. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. it's not like, oh, I have a headache. Like, poor me. Right. It's like, if, you know, you're really going through something, right. really take right. that time for yourself. Right. And I had like six months where, you know, where I was doing Psyche and I really wanted to help people and, you know, I was so excited to share this stuff, but I hadn't fixed like half of the stuff that I wanted to transform. And Mm -hmm. I think that's such an important part of this work and any like transformational work Mm -hmm. where you are working with someone like Mm -hmm. you should not be putting yourself out there and trying to take on other people's energy and take on other people's problems when you have no idea how to help yourself. And that whole paradigm of, Oh, people who help others so well, never know how to help themselves or I can help everyone else, but not myself. Truly. If you can't help yourself, then you can't help others. Yeah. And that's truly where I saw my success stories really come out and rise Mm -hmm. was when I realized that I it was at a point where now I could put myself out there. Like, mm-hmm. I was ready. Mm-hmm. So, for social media, like, I was running my business for two years, but not mm-hmm. on social media. Interesting. Because I knew that it was just, it was going to be too much, and I was going to try to do too yeah. much. Yeah. Because I saw what it would be like. You yeah. know, like, I had future, like, visions of yeah. what it was going to be like, and I had to, you know, we always want to rush to the finish yes. line and get there and be quick and be the first one, and it's like, yeah. that's not that's not the point you're not rushing against anyone so can you tell me about did you have like it sounds like you were in agony for a while oh absolute agony um was there a um like a darkest day Mm. (laughs) or (laughs) there was like a dark period i would say like i had a lot of i had two really bad years um I think for my emotional health, it was just like all over the place. I had just moved to London for, I just transferred. So I had just come here for school mm-hmm. and I was like living in a new place and I was with a lot of different people and I'm a pretty adaptable person and I am able to get along with a lot of different people. But I think it was just the whole change of trying to make a lot of change. Like I moved to a different country when I was sick. Why would I do that? You know, and it was just me trying to prove to myself that I wasn't mm-hmm, sick mm-hmm. and that I didn't have a problem. And then yeah. I ended up literally going to the hospital like every other week. Everyone knew me as like the girl that's always in the hospital. <laughs> and it played a toll like, you know, with my friendships. And it was dark days. Like it mm-hmm. truly wasn't a dark day. Mm-hmm. It was dark days. Like mm-hmm. I remember like just screaming into my pillow just because I had so much pain Mm -hmm. and like the security guard calling me like is everything okay you know like I don't share that because that's just can you imagine someone being that mad because it was it felt like madness Mm -hmm. and it's then you go to the hospital and they're like we can't give you anything you're just gonna have to deal with it and it was just that cycle of like oh it's time to go to the hospital and then oh you know they're not gonna do anything but the idea of going to the hospital was somewhat of a savior to my mind you know and having to deal with that Mm -hmm. and then the following year like you know moving out of my like halls and moving in with a roommate and you know my partner and Mm -hmm. it was just that was super Mm -hmm. intense and not getting my own space and then taking it out on everyone else constantly and just not being the truest version of who I was and that person that I knew I could be because this pain was just really Mm -hmm. consuming Mm -hmm. it consumed me like I was not myself for so long Mm -hmm. 
And I'm so grateful that I'm here today and, you know, being able to share this because I know that there are people that are going through this that can be like, that would never be me. And you're pain-free. And I'm pain-free, medication-free, like sober, (laughs) like, you know what I mean? Like sober from pharmaceuticals, like that is the real sober. Yeah. We're going to talk about sober, (laughs) okay? Because... Truly, I'm just, you know, and I went vegan. That was a huge part of my my journey as Mm. well because, you know, when they did a study, it's like three months after going vegan, they found that 500 different gene expressions turn off. So the ones that are, um, that have like heart disease or diabetes or all of these things will turn off and then the genes for like better health and... You're still vegan? Yeah, Yeah, I'm still vegan. How long have you been vegan? About a year and a half. I'm like tiptoeing. Yeah. See, I was veg for a while. I was veg yeah. for about a year and a half, and then it just for kind me, of happened. For me, it's less. Like I still kind of eat a little bit of meat, but for me, I actually took a blood test. Yeah. I am severely reactive to eggs. Really. Yeah. And yeah. Dairy. Yeah. And gluten. I just don't think it's like. Um, I don't think veganism for, is for everyone, you know. It, yeah. I hate watching videos of, like, animals die. Like, I know that sounds weird, but I follow so many accounts just because, like, it's such good knowledge to know what is happening. And also, it it also is a good, um, I guess, support to know that your choices are actually benefiting mm-hmm the world and it's helping Mm -hmm. the earth Mm -hmm. right i think it's like it's not just about the animals now it's about the environment yeah like we need to get our shit together like you know just stop eating meat maybe the the world (laughs) you know will get a little bit better it's it's beyond that it's not like oh i have a preference of this and that it's like we really have to think about collectively how are how is what i'm doing playing a part in the larger picture of like helping us survive on this planet which is yeah well, and that's what that new study came out recently saying is like dairy and meat are using up so, so much so space, so much space, water, energy, yeah, everything. time. And you know what? Um, Jenna Zoe recently shared something on Instagram that really resonated with mm-hmm. me, and I was like, "Shit, this mm-hmm. resonates with me." And I don't, and I can't. Like, it's fine. It's good that it did, but um, she shared something along the lines of like. In human design, they believe that um, humans and animals have like a, a a pact. Yeah, a pact. That you know we're here to teach them certain things, and they're here here to teach us certain things. Yeah. And when she said that they're here to teach us certain things, like compassion, and then I, I mean I just you were like seeing like, a dog. Yeah. Like, this dogs have taught me so and little and baby animals have taught yeah. me so much about compassion. And yeah. Then I was like, <gasps> And then I'm like, view. <gasps> oh, God. <laughs> um, yeah, so no, I've, I've been dabbling. I'm dabbling. No, and that's fine. I think, like, it's it's truly a journey. You mm-hmm. know, if someone were to tell me five, six years ago that I would be vegan and pain-free, I literally laugh at them. So, but, so vegan has been, you you believe, a big part, like, a oh, big answer. Oh, absolutely, because, like, think about it. If we are... I guess, composed by the environment, right? And if our composition doesn't have good thoughts, right? Or doesn't have Mm. good food, right? What are the energies that we're putting into Mm -hmm. our body? So for me, meat, having it been on the shelf, rotting is not the same as how it used to be when we used to kill and 
eat for the spirit of the animal mm-hmm. and eat for that nutrients and with respect and mm-hmm. reverence, mm-hmm. not just like I'm killing it and being, you know, overproducing yeah. and creating all of this pain yeah. and suffering in our in our energy field of Earth. Like why? Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, veganism definitely like for in terms of like an energy standpoint, I feel lighter. I'm much more clearer. I'm much more intuitive. It's helped me so much more um, with my clients and being able to tap into their mm-hmm. field and mm-hmm. kind of figure out those things that they can't necessarily see in themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, it's not for everybody and mm-hmm. it's a journey. And I think if you want to try it, it's definitely going to be something that you will end up doing mm-hmm. because if that calling is there even in the slightest it's fine it's just part of the human journey yeah. and human experience don't right. be upset that you right. eat a little <laughs> bit of meat you know what i mean yeah. but just as long as you're conscious and you're mindful of you know where it's coming from what the process is what's happening mm-hmm. to your body when you consume it for anything yeah. right not just meat like you should even the television you consume mm-hmm. right the things you read, the people you follow on social media, mm-hmm. these are all things you should be really specific about and really looking at, is this the right input for me? Mm-hmm. Because we become the input of what we're putting mm-hmm. into ourselves. Mm-hmm. So it's important to, to keep those boundaries and, and yeah. curiosity and awareness. Yeah. So tell me, um, how many pharmaceutical drugs were you on? Oh my God. Okay, so... Okay, so I was on an antidepressant, mm-hmm. okay, anti-anxiety. I had, like, panic attack medication, like uh, Xanax, yeah, Xanax, okay, or, like, Ativan. Then I had ADD medication, so that was, like, Adderall, mm-hmm. Vivance, Ritalin. Not all at the same time, but, like, at some point. Mm-hmm. Then I'm trying, I'm trying to do it in... Um, in categories because there was like mental health there was physical health then there's uh, then i was on like antidepressants so then my iud yeah and then i had i would take painkillers like strong painkillers a couple times a month about six or seven wow yeah regularly regularly for a long time time. yeah at any given moment from 15 to 22 mm-hmm. at least three or four mm-hmm. up to six or seven wow depending on what was going and on i think that's us. honest i'd actually love to know there's probably a statistic out there but like i i would bet that a large majority of americans are on oh it's like one in three are on or, at least one yeah i would imagine that yeah it's, i would think that it's actually more than that <laughs> no, but, probably but, they're the drug pushers. They don't want to yeah. give the real statistics. Right, yeah, exactly. Otherwise, <laughs> people would be so like, well, true. this is a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I would love to, to walk through, I guess, now, like, into your healing. Yeah. And how you... And so you went vegan. Mm-hmm. You found Psyche. Found Psyche. Um, what else? I, I guess, also, how, did you, yeah. how did you start to, like, get off of your medication? And, like, what did that whole process sure. look like? Yeah, so backtracking so this was before I found Psyche um I was just at a point where I I was just over it honestly and I was at a point where I was like I just want to die so fuck it if I'm gonna just get cold turkey off my medication and I die like that literally what I thought because they were like so you weren't suicidal but you were or were you at any point uh, yeah there were definitely some periods of my life where I was like oh this would be a good idea like Mm -hmm. there's no point of 
going on, mm -hmm. but never action. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It was yeah. always these like looming the darkness, this, yeah. the thoughts of like, you don't need to be here. What's your point here? Like you're not doing anything and just everyone's like inconvenienced by you constantly. Mm -hmm. And you're just like full of rage and like, you know, all of this mm -hmm. like nonsense is just like whirling. Mm -hmm. Um, but sorry, what were you saying before? Um, we were talking about like getting into how you got off your meds. Oh, the meds. Yes. Yeah. So for the medication, I just, I basically, yeah, I was just at a point where I didn't care if it made it worse or better because I didn't think it could get any worse. Um, but it did, it got much worse, mm. um, mentally. I was on a roller coaster, like even worse than before. I remember I would have like these bouts of like feeling like I could just like, if I could punch something, it would just be mm. the best thing in the world. And because I was hurting myself as well. Mm hmm like just to take away a, a mm -hmm. little bit of the edge mm -hmm. of the discomfort. So you went? Did you, did you say you went cold turkey on everything? Cold turkey. Whoa. Yeah. That's yeah. Like I got. I remember I got my IUD taken out, and I had to do that under under anesthetic because it was all like messed up, and like mm -hmm. I was just like, please just take it out. I don't want to. I don't want to be awake for this. Mm -hmm. And yeah and I, I oh I had another like hand surgery at the time I remember because I had a little ganglion cyst and I was just like okay I guess this is just going to be the time where I just you know take everything out and I went cold turkey on my medication and it was it was tough I was retreating for like a good two three months I didn't really do anything with anyone and for someone because I know my personality like I'm a go 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 like I mm -hmm. need to do that you know, as you know, like I moved to London, like sick, <laughs> no one would do that, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, like I, it, it was tough. And then I went to Asia and I traveled for a little bit and I was detoxing. So trying to like figure out like, you know, different places to, you know, where I could be healthy and like mm -hmm. adopt like better, um, lifestyle choices and just mm -hmm. kind of get out of this energy of what I had known and this kind of world where I was only, only could know as being sick in mm -hmm. and getting out of that. So that mm -hmm. was like a huge journey for me, um, traveling and being on my own and being able to take care of myself and my periods, then they started to regulate on their own, um, with, you know, the lifestyle choices I was making mm -hmm. and I was doing Reiki on myself and, um, you know, working with flower essences and mm -hmm. other forms of yeah therapies so this was all yeah. before you found psyche yeah this is all before i found psyche so, so you had found you had found reiki when you were 12 you yeah mom introduced you to it and yeah then you found flower essences how um through my mom as well okay um so about, your mom's always been a little oh, bit alternative yeah. oh yeah okay. it's really funny because we say she's like living <laughs> two lives like one life in the matrix where okay. she's like you know like a really powerful executive in you know a company and then she comes home and she's like oh let's make tinctures and like yeah. oh let me remove this emotion out of your body and doing all this cool stuff where you gotta read this and do this activation or wow. this medi this meditation is gonna like open your pineal gland and drink wow. better water and yeah. no fluoride like yeah, yeah it's just it's amazing and i'm so blessed because i know so many people are like oh i wish i just had someone Mm -hmm. that would talk to me about this stuff and it wasn't always like this like my mother and I having this you know um a close relationship um growing up because we weren't always alternative growing up you know this wasn't this world wasn't really open to us until my mom kind of found Reiki and it was mm -hmm. at a point where 
I had been struggling with anxiety for like eight or like eight years. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of just opening ourselves mm-hmm. up and then that journey kind of took off and just kind of opened all of us up to the world of transformation in different ways. And did you grow up with any particular religious upbringing? Yeah, so my parents um, like raised me and my sister as Muslims, so we okay. grew up. Um, but in a very like liberal sect of Islam, so there are many different, um, uh, I guess, groups within Islam. I mean, it's a huge religion. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were always, you know, like encouraged to meditate mm-hmm. um, from a very young age, and service was a huge part of our upbringing, like service to others, like um, service, you know, within the family, and like mm-hmm. just always. Um, that altruistic mindset and the giving um, in order to really experience the fullness of mm-hmm. life. So um, in that way, you know, I did. And I I don't identify with anything now mm-hmm. um, in particular, but it was um, a great stepping stone to mm-hmm. get me to where I am because mm-hmm. I don't know anyone else who was, like, encouraged to meditate from mm-hmm. a young age. Um, and then now it kind of just popped up and I'm like, oh, wait, that's what I was kind of told to do when I was younger. Mm-hmm. So. And now you have more of a spiritual base? or what? Yeah, well, I don't like to put labels on it. Mm-hmm. I don't like to put labels on like what spirituality is, what re- like religion is. I just think that if people you know engage in practices that work for them, mm-hmm. that's what I do. I engage in practices. Like My practices are many different things. Like I do trapeze. That's a spiritual practice for me. Mm-hmm. Do you um, do it? Like for fun. Yeah. Yeah. Like more than once? Yeah. <laughs> you do? Yeah. I want to come. Yeah, I know. We should go together. No, for sure. No, in New York. Yeah. yeah oh my the, God, fun. Yeah, the trapeze school. Oh my gosh. Yeah, in Chelsea. Amazing. Yeah, we should go. And in Brooklyn, they have one. It's really cool. So cool. Okay, yeah. So, like, different spiritual practices. Yeah. You know, like, it's not like just I'm sitting in Lotus and, yeah. you know... I went to a gong mm. bath today and I'm spiritual, mm. but then like you're mean to everyone and yourself. Mm-hmm. That's not being spiritual. I think mm-hmm. it's about really coming to an awareness of knowing who you are and that is everything and like really embodying that and appreciating that and loving that. Like we can't call ourselves spiritual in any of this stuff if we don't love ourselves and mm-hmm. love everyone around us. Mm-hmm. That is spiritual. You know, being able to Mm -hmm. accept everyone unconditionally. Mm -hmm. That is the meaning of being spiritual. It doesn't matter what it takes for you to get there. If you need to stand Mm -hmm. on your head, if you need to, like, you know, meditate, if you need to go swimming, whatever it takes for you to reach that place of acceptance unconditionally, Mm -hmm. I think that's where everyone is, Mm -hmm. you know, trying to get to. Just letting go and accepting, letting go and accepting. Yeah. Yeah, and such a big part of that, I think, is what we were just touching on is like doing things that light you up mm-hmm. totally that's where our divine you know call is coming from it's like do this do that and we say oh we're gonna do it later or oh it's not important right now or oh, i have this responsibility and it's like there's this thing inside of you that so desperately is like get me out of here i need to be released and by doing those things all these other opportunities come and align mm-hmm. with what we're doing like, I also DJ for fun, right? And I did this as an experiment of like, <laughs> oh, you know, I'm going to be really focused on my DJing. And I kind of like put Psyche, um, you know, I was seeing minimal clients, like maybe once a week as opposed to like 15, right? So I'm like one client a week, I'm just going to focus on my music. 
And then I was focusing on my music for like two weeks, like full on. Then all of a sudden, all of these other opportunities come through my door. And it's only because I, I listened to myself mm-hmm. and I was like, I'm giving myself the time to do what my soul wants to do. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to stop like dimming its voice mm-hmm. because it has a voice and it's guiding me to do something. So mm-hmm. it's like, for whatever reason, I'm either taking the path of least resistance, distracting myself, whatever the reasoning of being called to DJ is, I'm listening to that. And from listening to that, I did it as an experiment to see what was going to happen. And all of these things opened up. I swear, like, all people, I want to meet you. Can we do this? I mm-hmm. interview all, like, you know, come on this trip. It's just all of a sudden, all of this stuff opened up. And I'm sitting here like, oh, I'm just playing my music. Like, mm-hmm. this is awesome. Mm-hmm. But it's just I become very aware of, like, how manifestation works and how um, we are... In control of it but also how we need to surrender to parts of ourselves that we don't necessarily allow light mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. to 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 become mm-hmm. yeah because it's scary yeah totally it's scary in the moment you think it and is. judgmental yeah because you're like you can't do that Totally. You know, you can't do that. And for so long, you know what was crazy though? Because like I have always been a music fanatic. Like anytime I go out, it's for a concert or a music event or something. And I was—I didn't care what music, jazz to like techno, like didn't matter. I was just like, I want music. And um, I grew up like kind of in a very musical, not kind of like in a very musical household. My dad actually was like. Um, he had a company for like a traveling company but for all the artists Mm. so like stevie wonder like came to my house and we were just chilling like i have a picture of him like holding yeah just like i was around that energy (laughs) yeah you know of music constantly and um i think because of that like i said you know everything is ingrained between zero and seven like music became such a huge part but it was never like nurtured mm-hmm. um because i didn't like have the finances as mm-hmm. a kid growing up to do mm-hmm. that um and then as i got older you know it's that thing oh you know the older you get the less things that you can try and learn mm-hmm. and it's harder for you to do things and all these other stupid beliefs that people are like projecting on you could mm-hmm. because you're this age mm-hmm. And I just, like, it clicked to me one day. I was like, what am I doing? Like, I really like music. Like, Mm -hmm. why don't I just do it? I always, like, look at these people and I'm like, oh, my God, this is amazing. So why wouldn't I look at that and be like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Let me try it. Mm -hmm. Right? And it really took that level of perception of consciousness to, to get to there, to be like, I can actually try anything and it's okay. It doesn't matter how old I am. You can fail. And I can fail and it's okay, but it's not even failing because it's just enjoying. Yeah. Yeah, it's just about the enjoyment. Totally. Like, you can't look at anything like you're going to fail. Just do it for the hell of it mm-hmm. because it's fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where we find, like, those are keys, right? Yeah. Like, we do things that are fun and then other doors open up. Yeah. 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 I loved your post on Instagram <laughs> the other day um, of you climbing a tree in yeah, the park. I know. It was kind of scary. <laughs> um, like, not people watching me scary, just like, I'm climbing a tree and... Um, and that was an interesting um, distinguishing of fear that came up because normally I would have been like, oh my God, people are watching me. That's what I thought. I was like, oh my God, I yeah. love this. But the fear was like, uh, I'm in boots, not sneakers. Okay. <laughs> and I was like, wow, I've really come a long way because normally I would, I don't like being the center of attention. I don't mm-hmm. like people mm-hmm. focusing on me if mm-hmm. I'm doing something out of alignment with what normal people are doing, mm-hmm. right? Um, 
And I just didn't care. And, and what I noticed is that so many people that were passing me were smiling. And I was like, wow, well, if I can bring you a smile just by being me yeah, and just, you know, doing what called me, then yeah. I think that's like really what we should be doing. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about Psyche then, because yeah. a lot of this transformation that we're talking about has happened through Psyche. So Absolutely. what is Psyche? Sure. So Psyche is like a really quick and effective method to access the subconscious mind. And in doing so, we can change limiting beliefs, past or present traumas and physical conditions mm-hmm. um, in a very short period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the way that this works is that um, it's a tools that have been collected over time, either spiritual practices, ancient spiritual practices, uh, coupled with like modern psychology, um, and it's been created um, in this form and modality we know today called Psyche. So Rob Williams is the originator of Psyche, and he was a therapist, and he basically was tired of people coming to him and not being able to create sustainable change within their mind and for themselves, because you know what therapy is like. You go there and you you create a relationship with them. Mm-hmm. It's like another arm. Mm-hmm. I remember being in private school and everyone had a therapist. And I was like, Mom, can I have a therapist? And she really? was like, no. I was like, but I seriously have anxiety. I think I need help. <laughs> <laughs> and then it was like, no, I think you're okay. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to you know deal mm-hmm. with this. But um, but no, everyone had a therapist. It was like it was like a tutor. Mm. Honestly, private school in New York was like having a therapist is like a tutor. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah, I just it's my Monday That's afternoon. Such a New like, York, thing. yeah, totally. And so I grew up in that environment of people being dependent on other people for help mm-hmm. and like never really having any of their own power at all. And it was so interesting because I used to have visions when I was younger, like like now that I'm remembering it was like around 15 16 of me of seeing myself like kind of like in a therapist position and like talking to people and like helping them but I never understood like what that was because Mm -hmm. I had no desire to go and like study you know like medicine and become like you know a doctor Mm -hmm. and do that so I was like all right this is just gonna now I understand what my visions are now because Mm -hmm. I've connected so many dots of what I used to see and now what I see now about the future and Mm -hmm. it's like just another thing that's been awakened after i've healed my Mm -hmm. my womb Mm -hmm. basically so so yeah so psyche in a nutshell can basically transform anything that you can find limiting to you that is the best way i can describe it so any stress right any any perception of yourself any belief that you might have you know if you have past traumas of you know, abuse, mm-hmm. right? We can clear out those traumas without you even needing to talk to me or describe mm-hmm. what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's how powerful it is because it also keeps such a sacred bond between the facilitator and the person who is doing Psyche because they there's, an, there's another level I feel like created of like an energy that's created between the two that creates the safe space of being open, but also being able to transform instantly because it is so powerful. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah. Mm -hmm. What is the most common thing you would say that, like, what's the most common belief? Belief, yeah. That, that, um, you know, your clients 
have sure um well people come to me for a lot of different things mm-hmm. but i would say that one that shows up consistently is that i'm um like people don't believe that they love themselves unconditionally that they are worthy of the best that love and life have to offer that they are divine mm-hmm. that they are equal to everyone else like all of these um uh, perceptions of separation come up consistently mm-hmm. because we have been divided for so long you know being on this planet divided Mm -hmm. by color divided by you know backgrounds divided by boundaries of earth Mm -hmm. right to just say this is a border Mm -hmm. and you're not welcome here all of these yeah all of these divisions of separation and it really penetrates through the subconscious mind to really believe that we are unworthy or we are separate or we are not whole or we Mm -hmm. need things that are outside of ourselves and we can't get what we need from ourselves Mm -hmm. and i think just building that back up you know even if you don't think you have issues it's so important to check those beliefs because that will be the blueprint of what you are operating from Mm -hmm. like our subconscious mind we think we have free will but the the thing is is that our subconscious mind like runs all the programs so consciously Mm. you know you may be trying to get fit and you're not losing any weight but you're doing everything you're working you're working out you're waking up early you're eating right you're doing all these things fasting whatever and nothing's happening well it's because there's a program running there that's not supporting you and that's what's actually running your reality it's not the other way around it's not the conscious mind that's like okay we're gonna do this now Mm. no it's the subconscious mind Mm-hmm. And so basically, since the subconscious mind is not programmed accurately, right? Because we're just sponging all of these experiences and creating beliefs about what reality is, right? So if you grew up in an environment where you heard a lot of people talk about money or it was difficult or, um, you know, your you know, work is hard, and the only way you're going to make money is if you work and all of these things then create the way in which we operate. So we think, oh, we finished school. But the reason why we need to go to school is because school will validate us to do something after and then mm. we'll be validated again. Mm-hmm. And it goes back to those beliefs that how how were you raised in terms of your worth, right? Is your worth just money? Is your worth just a job? Mm-hmm. Or is your worth just you being you as this bright, amazing human being who has all of these gifts to share and is just waiting for the time for it to unravel Mm -hmm. in its own time Mm -hmm. and i think if people really need to understand that because it's so fundamental like we want to change so badly but change only happens in the subconscious mind it's proven it's only going to happen if your subconscious is on board and psyche the way it interacts with your subconscious mind is that it's not just about programming things that you think you want in psyche we're constantly being guided by your higher self by that larger part god universe whatever because we get we check in to say is this the best thing for us now so if you come to me and you're like i want a million dollars we can try but if it says that it's not the best in in your highest interest then we won't and this is us being guided ultimately constantly by what is best for us Mm -hmm. so that's like another beautiful aspect of Mm -hmm. what this is because it's not just i want this and i'm going to get this it's like what is this that you want is it good for you and is it good for everyone around you Mm 
So you found Psyche. Mm-hmm. And then we also kind of mentioned Reiki a little bit. Yeah. And I would love to talk about flower essences as well. Sure. Because I think this is another kind of abstract healing modality sure. that people are... Um, I have a spiritual advisor that I've been working with for several years. And when I went to see her in person for the first time, she like was dropping some flower essences in my mouth. And yeah. I had no idea. That's what, what we just were. did. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, Kelly, what's the flowers? <laughs> Can you explain flower essences? And, sure. Yeah. So basically, um, so flowers in themselves hold energetic wisdom that we are able to integrate into our vibrational field. So what that means is that through um, like an extraction process, we're able to get different vibrational resonance of basic belief systems that are held within the flower. So different flowers can be used for different things. So you can have flowers for pregnancy, for anxiety, for um, you know birth, for um, grief, for like even like pets who have kidney failure. Like there's a flower for that. Mm-hmm. And basically what this does is that it integrates. Yeah, that the plant kingdom is amazing. It basically integrates into our energetic and vibrational field and takes out all of those things that are holding density in our body. And so basically the flower essences, they infuse into our being and upgrade our energetic, mm-hmm. um, I guess, how would I call it? Like almost like skin. Because it creates a thicker energetic boundary between you and the world. So flowers are a really important component in my um, process of working with people because um, I use things um, in flowers that keep me grounded, that keep me present, that keep me opening, uh, open-minded Sorry, and listening to others rather than quickly trying to talk. Like really specific things that we don't realize that we might engage in. Um, but are helpful in order for us to really be present and um, enjoy life. Mm-hmm. So you make these yourself? Yeah, my mom taught me to make them as well. Oh, amazing! How does that how does that work? Yeah, so um, so there's like it's a bit of a ceremony that happens, and um, I can't really go into the specifics of, of it, but um, basically. I'm able to test to see which flowers are needed for which person. Mm. Um, so I make custom mixes for people. So oh, cool. you might say, you know, Jenna, I have insomnia. And so I'll give you a flower for sleeping, but then I'll also, you know, check if there are other things that might be rooted in the insomnia, right? Because anything that shows up in our physical form is not just showing up because it's the first place for it to show up. It shows up you know, in our spiritual body, in our energetic body, in our mental body, and then in this physical Mm -hmm. body. Mm -hmm. So flowers are a great way of penetrating those parts of us that we can't really reach Mm -hmm. um, with, with other modalities. And it's kind of like, it's, it's a great relationship. I love working with the energy Mm -hmm. of flowers and it's, it's really helped me on my journey. I, you know, I go through phases with it. I don't take them all the time. Um, but I do have periods in my life where I know it's time for flowers Mm -hmm. and dependent on what's beautiful about it is that flowers grow in different places and in different, um, obviously environments. And so some environments are very harsh. And so the flowers will hold that wisdom of how to stay strong in harsh environments Mm -hmm. and how to really know how to stand your ground and be firm. And Mm -hmm. when those things are shaking you in the outside world. So when we take 
that energy of that flower for from what it has and what it stems from and its own growth and its own protection then we're able to integrate that into our mm-hmm. system mm-hmm. which is beautiful so were there any other um any other modalities that were like healing modalities i guess mm-hmm. that were really big for you you know like you went yeah. vegan you did psyche um reiki, reiki and flower, flower essences were those your like those are your yeah. four main ones those are my four main yeah. ones i would say yeah um i do i mean would you count yoga it's yeah. like a form of it's a movement yeah. practice yoga yeah um yeah definitely yoga and and those yeah others. um so what's my next question? Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> um, were there any books or anything that have kind of that have really helped you on your journey? Yeah, so if people are really interested in learning more about psyche and like the science behind mm-hmm. it, definitely check out Biology of Belief by Dr. Bruce Lipton. Okay. He basically gives a whole like lowdown of the science behind how our beliefs are like basically dictate our biology and so by us changing our own perceptions and our own um, limitations we're able to change um our biology Mm -hmm. um so that has been like a really life-changing book for me um in terms of trying to understand that um i would say honestly that was the book for me okay that really like changed my life yeah to be honest because when I was searching, it wasn't like I knew that there was going to be something and it was going to click. Like it was almost, it was a journey. And then all of a sudden I was better and it clicked Mm -hmm. because I never, like I could only read so much. Oh, also medical medium books. Mm. Yes. I'm all on medical medium. Like liver rescue is like my new favorite thing. (laughs) I swear. It's so great. He is so amazing yeah and you do celery juice yeah, yeah i do i do celery juice i do the heavy metal detox mm-hmm. smoothie i just saw it do you I put have... cilantro in your celery juice yeah, yeah me too. oh in the celery juice yeah no it it um draws out heavy metals you can put like uh is that from liver, re- re- yeah. is that in liver rescue yeah yeah oh, I haven't read that. yeah it's super intense i the first time i put way too much and my mouth got metally and then i started to... whoa <laughs> it's like all metallic in my mouth and i looked it up it's like you can overdose in, in like cilantro. <laughs> I was like, this is me. <laughs> My mouth. Well, what's funny is I've always hated cilantro and then it's been, it's been the heavy metal detox smoothie that's yeah. like gotten me used to the flavor. So I'll mm-hmm. have to try it. Definitely try juice. it. Try it when you have like a few days to just chill because it's super intense on, yeah. well, it was intense for me at least. I also did Psyche around ju- the celery juice and then I get the most like maximized benefits mm-hmm. of it. So I was mm-hmm. like super detoxing but it's been um awesome. so this is my one big question okay <laughs> what has been your greatest lesson through everything that you've been through mm, that's a good question there's I so many i'm sure so many but i think when you said that i think what came up immediately and i always like to answer my questions like that because mm-hmm. I think that's where you get the most most authenticity mm-hmm. um, is something to do with time and that we need to have patience with time and not even like have patience, but like know that everything is cyclical. 
Like, you know, it, the weather doesn't stay the same. Our bodies don't stay the same. Our environments are constantly changing. Like, everything happens in cycles, and it's not for us to think that we are going to be experiencing the same thing forever, good or bad, right? And to have that perspective and to know that it was going to end at some point, like it won't go on forever, that is really powerful to know. And also on top of that, which is a huge one, obviously, is that you are your power. Like you have the ability within you. It's just you you might need someone to help you show you the key, right? Like Psyche, literally, Psyche is Psyche, like Mm -hmm. mind. And K stands for key. So it's a psychological key. So you have the key to your mind. And when you have that, like, it doesn't matter what's going around, uh, going on around you because you could say, oh, this is triggering me. I don't like how, what I'm experiencing. And you can transform it like that. Mm-hmm. And you feel better. So it's like, definitely know that there's enough time and for every experience and that you will move through different chapters of your life and not everything is forever Mm -hmm. and also that you have so much power within you and just finding ways to tap into that to make you stronger and more aware of your potentials that those were the biggest lessons Mm -hmm. for me to know that so how can someone who's listening um get in touch with you Mm -hmm. so i have um one-to-one sessions i do remote sessions and Um, in person depending on where I am I travel a lot for work mainly between New York LA and London Um, so yeah they can check out my website Um, it's beyondthebelief.com and I'm on Instagram at underscore Jenna Sophia so J-E-N-A-S-O-P-H-I-A and if you're interested in learning more I have a couple workshops coming up where I am. You're coming. I'm one hundred Which one is that coming? Which to London? Okay, so <laughs> there, <laughs> there are a couple. There are a couple. So there is going to be a basic workshop in um, LA, March first, second, and third. No, I'm so sorry. Scratch that. <laughs> it's New York, March first, second, and third, and then LA, March eighth, ninth, and tenth, and then in London. I'm going to be doing a back-to-back workshop with Ian Spicer, which is going to be the basic and advanced, which is how I learned it. So it's like full circle for me to be working with him because he's the one that did that balance for me while I was really sick Mm -hmm. um, in bed and basically helped me get to my my course the next Mm day. So that's going to be June 29th to July 1st the basic and then the advanced is going to be July 4th to the 7th. So I would definitely recommend, you know, if you have the time to come to both because when you do it, you want more. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know how it is. Mm-hmm. It's like morphine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. I'm like, more. <laughs> I've been like yeah, feeling the sense I'm when did we meet on Monday. Yeah. Chase Friday. Yeah. Yeah. I just felt like alive. Yeah. That's really the only way that I can explain. It. It's truly that though, because you realize like you've been bogged down by all of this density of other mm-hmm. people's things. Mm-hmm. And for the first time you feel lit. Because yeah. you are lit inherently, yeah. you are lit. Yeah. <laughs> and I've been doing so much work. Like I've done so much work over the last few years and seen so many healers and like mm-hmm. all the things and made all I'm the moves. <laughs> at how much this like I mean just the the how, the rapid pace in which it just like boom, shifted. Just yeah, and it was an hour. Yeah, yeah. Crazy. So it's it's truly incredible. Like there's 
no limit on what can happen with this mm-hmm. stuff. Truly, there's no limit. I remember there was one lady we did. Um, you know, she had lost her husband, like, tragically. Like, they were exercising and he dropped dead. Like, just one instance where you were like, that would never happen. That is like a one in a bazillion, like, instance mm-hmm. of happening. Anyways, that happened. She became anorexic. She couldn't eat for a year and a half. We did something called a relationship balance where, you know, we balanced the energy and the energetics between her and her ex, not her ex, her, you know, mm-hmm. her, past her past husband. husband. And um, we did that. And then we did something called a stress transformation where we changed the perception of her stress around her husband and like the anger and the sadness and transforming that into, you know, love and and, and calm and peace. Mm. And that that evening she went and she ate a full roast so when you talk (laughs) about change i've had people that are binge eating in front of me while we're in a session like i can't stop them like it's fine we do we we you know we work around their triggers of eating and like when the eating habits started and removing all of those things because they're always emotionally like linked Mm -hmm. we move that pushing the food away subconsciously OCD, washing food constantly all the time. I got an email from his girlfriend because she was like, what did you do? He dropped, you know, he dropped a a piece of kale on the floor and he picked it up and he ate it. But this is what I mean, subconscious behavior. Everything is subconscious. We think we're consciously doing things we're not. Mm -hmm. The way we talk is all rooted in how we feel about Mm -hmm. ourselves in the subconscious. Mm -hmm. The way we show ourselves to the world, how bold we are, how you know, encouraging we are to other people, how nice we are to other people. These are all beliefs about how we mm-hmm. view other people. Mm-hmm. You know, is the world nice? Is the world mean? Am I supposed to be vulnerable? Am I supposed to be a strong person? Mm-hmm. Like, what is the world telling you to be? Yeah. And what do you want to be? You know? Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I think that's about <laughs> wraps it up. Yeah. I think that's enough. <laughs> Until next time, okay. we're going to do yeah. another podcast after you do Psych K. Yes. <laughs> I know. I'm 100% going to the workshop. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. Oh my God, I'm so And you, you, know, you should bring people because it's honestly the greatest gift you could give yeah, to someone. I will. And that's the whole thing about Psyche as well, just to end on, is that it's not another modality where people come to me over and over again. Like, people come to me three to four times max. You know, mm. and this is for issues of, like, in food intolerances. Mm-hmm. Okay? Or, like you know, uh, money issues or self-worth, all of these things. Like, it's not for you to continue to come back to me and rely on me. It's like, mm-hmm. no, I feel really fucking mm-hmm. good now. Mm-hmm. I know I can do it. And I'm like, yeah, that's the level where mm-hmm. I'm trying to get you at. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not about coming back and being like, Jenna, I don't know about this. It's like, no, you know how you feel. You're more em- embodied in your power. And mm-hmm. you can really feel that energy of creation coming from you not coming from something external if i do this then i will feel better it's like you just feel really good yeah well thank you so much for sharing kelly thank you and i i appreciate you pushing me to be vulnerable in places and share things that i you know (laughs) haven't shared before that you know it's special it's it's important and i'm i'm truly blessed and i'm humbled to be able to have a platform to share my story for you know, myself and for other women who might be struggling with issues or like mine or even just other health issues and problems. Yeah. So thank you. (laughs) Love you. Love you. (laughs) 
thank you so much for listening to this episode of Joan. I've put all information from this episode in the show notes. So if you forgot to write down the name of a book or a doctor, you can find it there. I want to thank my editor, Clay Carnell, who has been so patient with me. I want to thank Mike Lachome for providing the theme music that he so beautifully and thoughtfully created. I want to thank Jen Perron for creating our amazing logo. And I want to thank all of you for listening. Thank you so much, truly from the bottom of my heart. 